and welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink, and this is episode three in our series 8-Bit at Blockbuster, 90s video game movie adaptations. Today, we'll be talking about 1994's Double Dragon. Thousands of years ago, in ancient China, an evil army of shadow warriors terrorized the great city of Changsha. To save his people, the good king sacrificed himself to create a mystical medallion. Realizing the ultimate powers of the medallion, the king split it in half. To one son, he gave the power over body. To the other, power over the soul. This is the legend of the double dragon. Double Dragon is a 1994 American martial arts film based on the video game series of the same name and directed by James Yukich. It stars Mark Dacascos and Scott Wolf as brothers Jimmy and Billy Lee, along with Melissa Milano as Marion Delario and Robert Patrick as antagonist Koga Shuko. The film takes place in an earthquake-crippled Los Angeles in 2007. Yeah, 2007. <laughs> it's, funny. it's funny how long ago that was now and also kind of yeah. jarring, I guess. Well, and also funny thinking about what Los Angeles actually was in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like this is the, the heyday of Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> low-rise jeans. <laughs> low-rise jeans. Um, yeah, this, so, but we, you know, we're going to talk about it more, obviously, but they kind of went with the really low-budget route for this one, right, Jeremy? Mm-hmm. For Double yeah. Dragon. Uh, more so than I think we've seen so far in this series. Yeah, we were, we were looking, and obviously... It's hard to confirm all of this information. Um, you know, films like this, there there isn't a ton of scholarship on, which is why we're we're doing this. <laughs> which is why we're talking um, but, about it, yeah. Yeah, but the which is not that necessarily what we're doing is scholarship, but you know, <laughs> we, we, try, we like to you know. we try. Um, but we the the budget we saw, uh, at least what Wikipedia so handily provides, is seven point eight million dollars. Which, from what I understand, uh, Pulp Fiction, which came out also in nineteen ninety four was an $8 million movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just, just a bit of perspective because, you know, obviously Pulp Fiction's a, a long movie, but, you know, what they accomplished in this in terms of visual effects and stunts and explosions yeah. for, for an $8 million movie of that era when you, you kind of couldn't just quickly CGI something in an inexpensive way. Like, if you were going to do that, it was very expensive or you had to figure out a practical effect. And like you said, um, Jeremy, uh, digital versus film. I mean, film is just so much more yeah. expensive. And Tarantino shoots a lot of film, too. So Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I was real. I was like kind of shocked when you told me that, actually. But Yeah, um, it, it seems like a much more expensive movie. Yeah, because it is like a, you know, it's a 90s action movie um, mm-hmm. with a lot of explosions and stuff like that, <laughs> you know, which uh, Street Fighter had as well. But also, you know, they had the big names, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia, and mm-hmm. they had um, the big elaborate sets and all of that. So um, a lot more costumes and makeup and all that. So, yeah, this movie in comparison, um, you know, something about it was I, I was it, it was kind of like in the back of my mind, but I think you you really pinpointed it that, yeah, it's, it's comes across as a, as a much more low-budget film, which I guess it mm-hmm. was, um, yeah. and also did not do well. 
uh, much like Mario Brothers, <laughs> which we talked about. Um, actually, we were debating whether or not uh, which movie uh, was the bigger flop, I guess, when it came out, um, you know, factoring mm-hmm. in how much it cost to make and everything like that. But um, yeah, so this movie did not do um, as, definitely not as well as Street Fighter. I know there was some debate yeah. about that during that episode, but um, <laughs> no, I mean, Street Fighter was, was more of a success in this one. Um, Jeremy, as always, I'm, I'm sure... Uh, you may not have. I mean, you must have been aware of Double Dragon, uh, like I had, yeah, like the other ones. It was kind of a big one, but yeah, I had heard of it. But I, unlike the other games, I don't think I ever actually played Double Dragon. Oh, okay, okay. Or if I if I did, it was like was well, so was Double Dragon. Uh, was that an arcade game or was that yeah. like a, a so okay. like so it's possible I played. Yeah. Like a lot of the games in the series, it started as an arcade game. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, two player beat 'em up, and then. Uh, switched over to they made a version for the nintendo which you may have come across at some point as well um yeah i would say i definitely i I have no memory of playing a nintendo version (laughs) of it it's definitely possible i played double dragon edit arcade but you know didn't give it enough thought that i would remember it 20 years later (laughs) yeah i mean it was it was a big deal much like street fighter was uh with the fighting game genre um, in the arcades, when Double Dragon came out, it was a huge deal because, you know, t- a couple of friends could play together. And it was one of the first really beat 'em up. Uh, it's sort of like a genre of video game um, that that's, it mm-hmm. became after this. But um, it's a type of game where you're, you're basically walking from left to right and beating people up, uh, trying mm-hmm. to get to the end of the stage. So that, that's essentially what the game was. Um, although when it got ported over to the Nintendo for the home console, um, they didn't have enough, I guess, data... To, to actually put two players at the same time on the same screen. So you actually had to play one player in that version, which is kind of oh, wow. takes away <laughs> some of the fun from it, yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, that arcade game, yeah, I mean, it, that, that one is a lot of fun, especially if you play with a friend. Um, and again, much like the other games we've talked about, not, not much there that would lend itself to a film, uh, especially story-wise. I believe the, the story in the, the video game was essentially your girlfriend gets kidnapped and you have to go get her uh, from the, these these gangs. So the gang the gang thing is still there um, in the movie. And actually, the character you have to save in the game is named Marion, and she shows up in this movie played by Alyssa Milano. Uh, very different, which I'm going to talk about a little bit when we talk more about the, the actors and everything. Um, but yeah, so that basic premise is still there, um, but mm-hmm. you know, tweaked a lot, and they did change a lot of things, um, and it made it more about this mystical medallion that the the characters had to find and. Um, about them being brothers, which I liked. Um, but uh, first off, so I, I did see this movie before, and uh, when watching it this time, <laughs> it was much more watchable than I remembered. I remember last time mm-hmm. I kind of like I couldn't hardly watch it. I don't something about it just kind of like grated with me. It was it was almost like too corny or something like that, or too yeah. I don't know what the word would be. But um, yeah, this time I was more open to it and kind of just took it as it as it was as it is. Um, and I enjoyed it. You know, it's a, it's a fun ride. And uh, Jeremy, it seems like you enjoyed this film a, a lot, uh, more so than Street Fighter, the movie. Yes, more so than Street Fighter. Yeah, I think what I liked about this is that it kind of didn't take itself too seriously. You know, not that... Uh, well, I guess Street Fighter kind of took itself pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, not that, like, Super Mario was taking itself so seriously. And I guess, you know, Street Fighter, not that seriously. I think this but, one like, was this... more, like, upfront with 
Like, yeah. right, right off the bat, it, you know they're not taking themselves too seriously. Yeah, it, it, it understood that it was a jokey movie, and I thought some of the jokes were actually pretty funny. Um, particularly, there was one brief sequence that Mark and I were discussing. Like, like Mark and I are both writers, uh, specifically screenwriters, and I think the thing screenwriters are always struggling with is exposition. You know, how to get out uh, important information in a way that's interesting, where it's not just a character standing there, you know, saying, oh, this is what happened. And, you know, for this, we're, we're establishing uh, essentially not exactly a post-apocalyptic world because it seems like it's kind of only happened, uh, this, this massive event. So to, get, to give background, the story is set in what's called New Angeles uh, after a massive earthquake has just destroyed Southern California and left it as this kind of uh, wasteland run by gangs where people can't go out at night. And, yeah, uh, a curfew. You know, there's a curfew. Um, but, but what I loved is, is you know, that's a thing that could be kind of hard to establish. Uh, it's a thing you, you generally would see, you know, some kind of aerial aerial shots from a helicopter or, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, like like things like that where, where, where it's just giving you information but not doing it in a creative way. And this film, maybe because of the budget limitation, uh, didn't do that. They chose instead to um, do it with a, a news broadcast, um, which... One is like the '90s are very different because this they made their news channel Channel 69, uh, which for like a kids movie, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like man. the ni- <laughs> I'm like the '90s were different. The '90s were different. <laughs> it was really different. Um, um, uh, but but very quickly, like the the way they did it is they like they have a news report where they quickly get on, and the first thing you see is actually a commercial where for a company called Jack City that's advertising Jacks to hold up your house. Um, <laughs> Which is very clever, very you know, very goofy commercial. And then, um, then the next thing we see is the someone on the news, which I believe was Vanna White. Yeah, Vanna uh, White. Yep, making a cameo, uh, doing saying that everyone should turn their clocks ahead uh, because apparently this was happening on daylight savings time, or which is it? I always get daylight saving time and the other one mixed up. Um, but but it was happening on daylight saving time, and the reason they had to turn their clocks ahead was so they wouldn't accidentally still be out and miss curfew and basically get murdered or <laughs> robbed. Um, so that was clever. And then third, they had Andy Dick, who is the weatherman in this universe, yeah. come on and tell everyone <laughs> that, that there was there was uh, some kind of toxic rain in the forecast. <laughs> And so, so very quickly, you understand that we're living in a world where things aren't as they should be, but done in a very clever, funny way. Yeah. Uh, so, so right from that, I kind of relaxed because I am not gonna lie, I was a little bit, uh, mm. a little traumatized after <laughs> traumatized. Street Fighter. <laughs> I was kind of, I, I was kind of unsure, yeah, unsure where we were going, <laughs> and so that really, that really eased the tension for me and allowed me to get yeah. into this one. I think Street Fighter was the, I'm hoping the lowest. <laughs> lowest tier that you have to endure for this one um yeah i know that was a rough one for you so i do appreciate it um but yeah so we get some cameos right at the beginning there like you said uh we have vanna white from wheel of fortune andy dick i i feel like once andy dick shows up in a movie you know it's not going to be taking itself too seriously um and also george hamilton is one of the anchors who's kind of just known for being very tan just has very tan (laughs) skin um uh, and at least that's what I know about him anyway. But he's an actor as well. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about the cast, I guess, since we're kind of getting into that right now. So mm-hmm. we have Robert Patrick as Koga Shuko, right? 
Kogashuko. Kogashuko. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he kind of names himself that, I guess, at some point. I forget what his original yeah. name was, but he's kind mm-hmm. of modeling himself after this mystical legend, I guess. And then, mm-hmm. um, so he's like the bad, you know, he's like a typical. Uh, <laughs> he cracked me up with what you said before, Jeremy. How did you describe him again? So, so I, I described him in, in other ones we've talked about, uh, like cigar chomping villains, mm-hmm. and I think they very uh, like, like, like they actually invented a very LA kind of guy. But I was kind of describing him. I noticed he was smoking a cigarillo and had the goatee, so I kind of described him as like the Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit <laughs> of supervillains. Uh, uh, the hair color, which, yeah, and the yeah, which is a vibe. It's definitely yeah, a, vibe, it's a vibe, especially it's for that vibe. era. You know, it's like an Eminem kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he's also, I guess, he's sort of similar to um, President Koopa from the Super Mario Brothers movie, where he's yeah. kind of like this, almost like a politician. Well, I guess in this, he's more of like a just a wealthy businessman. Yeah, I think he's kind of supposed to be like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> oh yeah, kind of like before. Yeah, before that, but like before, uh, pre, yeah, yeah, just owns everything. He just owns everything, and. Um, mm-hmm. He, uh, I guess he, so he has the first half of the medallion, although I don't, I forget. Mm-hmm. Oh no, they do, they do eventually tell you um, he got it from the main character's father, I believe. Uh, but he mm-hmm. needs the second half, so that's kind of where the the film starts. Is where he, you know, I get me that second half of the medallion, and he's, you know, <laughs> you get you get the whole again exposition right at the front. <laughs> this is like a theme in these movies. Just comes mm-hmm. right out, I guess, because video games were still so kind of new at this point. Like they wanted yeah. to just get you right into the story, make sure you knew what was going on. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though the plots don't make a lot of sense <laughs> most yeah. of the time. Well, it kind of feels like the way a video game might do it too, though. Yeah, that's you true. Know? Yeah, like a little like scroll the, at the beginning, almost. Yeah. Yeah, it tells you it tells you what the deal is and why yeah. you have to fight and why the fight yeah. is important. That's a good point. Yeah. So, um, so there's there, what is the plot? I guess is essentially that there's these two halves of the medallion and that's mm-hmm. the double dragon, and uh, when they're put together, so one one side um, it controls the spirit, right, and then the mm-hmm. other controls. Uh, what is it? Strength the, or uh, the body? It's supposed the body, to be so one. Yeah. One I, I I guess is is the idea is it gives you kind of uh, unrivaled control of spirit, which is mm. the one that Kogashuko has, and the other is supposed to give you that that same level of control and power, kind of like an indestructible body. Right. And uh, the idea being, if you put them both together, then your body and spirit is indestructible, and you become some kind of super warrior. Right. Who could never be defeated. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, right. It magnifies the power inside you. One half body, mm-hmm. the other half soul. Okay, so a yeah. little, a little vague, but you know, it makes you stronger, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gives you maybe some, yeah. some powers or something like some that. Boost. Things they mm-hmm. may have explored if uh, there was another <laughs> film uh, after this, but there really wasn't. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, after that, we have oh, so I just want to give a shout out to Robert Patrick because so he, you know, he played. I, I enjoyed him in this movie. You know, he's nothing, nothing amazing. I, I think he chews the scenery mm-hmm. a little bit, uh, which is good. But I, I mean, for me, like. The T one thousand. He plays uh, the T one thousand, the the villain in Terminator two, and he's just mm-hmm. like this an unstoppable killing machine who goes after John Connor, and uh, to me is like one of the best movie villains of all time. He's just phenomenal in that, just like stone faced the entire time because he's supposed to be like a liquid cyborg. Um, mm-hmm. you, have you seen that movie, Jeremy? T- I actually Terminator have 2? not. That, no? That's a massive gap in. Oh, my, in my you film need to see that. You're, one of the you're, best. You're exposing me here. <laughs> I know. Well, it's well, yeah. One of the best action movies of the '90s, I mm-hmm. think, of all time. But um, yeah. one, of the, one of the best sequels, also of all time. Um, so definitely check that out. Yeah, he's great in that movie. Um, so mm-hmm. not as good as that, but again, you know, he's playing a very different character here, um, and he's definitely slimy though, for sure. Give yeah. That. Uh, and then we have Scott Wolf and Mark Dacascos as. Billy and Jimmy Lee, 
and sometimes mm-hmm. we get them mixed up. But so Scott Wolf, um, mainly I know because he was on Party of Five, which I never watched, but I know he was on that show. He was also in the movie Go, which has some credits, sort of like a more like an indie cult film. I, I haven't seen it. My brother always says that he enjoys it, but um, who did that? Who who directed Go? Um, that was uh, that I would have Doug to Lyman. Doug, yeah, Doug yeah. Lyman, okay, right, right. Who did uh, Swingers? Yeah, also. yeah. He's done a couple of good ones. So. Um, I, I have always wanted to check that out, but I haven't seen it yet. Um, and then Mark Dacascos, I, I looked him up. It wasn't too much, you know, it seems like he's more, um, he actually like practiced martial arts and things. And I, mm-hmm. I know he wanted to, he went out for the role of uh, Bruce Lee and drag in a Bruce Lee story. Um, and, you know, so he, so he has that kind of cred and I think he's done some roles like that, um, but not too much. Otherwise, he, he shows up in some, some shows. I think he's been in Iron Chef and things like that, like the TV show. Um, so he shows up, but yeah. So he, I thought they were both uh, both pretty good in this movie. How'd you how'd you feel about their um, relationship, I guess, or their connection in the movie as a two? Yeah, brothers? yeah. I mean, yeah. It felt like a very kind of nineties broy. Yeah, I like their, I, I did like their handshake. They had kind of yeah. a, a two handed handshake where one hand was open and the other was closed in a fist. Yeah, and the other person would mirror it, and they would kind of put them together like lock and key. Yeah, um, and did it good. a lot. They did a lot of they that. They did handshake. do it a lot. And they, you know, they actually reminded me a lot of <laughs> we've talked about it on this show, um, dude, where's my car? Like that kind of dynamic. Yeah. Like which yeah. I which I think they were going for, like sort of like a Bill and Ted, you know. Yeah. It, definitely again, not taking themselves too seriously, which which was nice. Um mm-hmm. very playful. And yeah. um and then we have Alyssa Milano, who I mentioned as Marion. Um, so playing not quite the damsel in distress. So I did want to give him some credit for that. Um, it's actually mm-hmm. interesting, uh, definitely a different take on what is essentially a non-dimensional character from the game um, who you mm-hmm. set out to save. I mean, you see her f- once in the beginning. She gets, I think she actually gets slugged in the stomach. It's pretty brutal by the mm-hmm. gang leader. And then they take her away and then you have to go save her. And she's, you know, dangling from a rope at the end. Uh, but that's all you really know about her. Um, I think she shows up again in the sequel, but uh, that's really all you get. So um based on that i think they kind of took that character and and did something sort of interesting with her um Mm -hmm. so she's a daughter of the police chief of the city and member of one of the street gangs and she kind of so she eventually i guess she knows the brothers and she ends up eventually fighting alongside them the lee brothers and um she also has sort of like a punk thing going on like sort of like a funky punk thing um Uh so so yeah like short hair like Fairly progressive for its time, although she does put a wig on when she talks to her father, which is kind of funny. Yeah, which was funny. I thought that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, it's just like because like, he's that the police honor. chief. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so he does none the wiser, but he does eventually find out. Um, yeah, I think there from, are... from a costume from knew... a costume design perspective, I think like she was kind of a really fun character. Actually, I know like costume design. I feel like isn't something we always talk about that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, or we don't always talk about sometimes too much yeah, on this show. Like much. occasionally come up. But I thought, like, you know, there's there's this really good podcast, which we're not, I have not been paid to advertise this. We don't know them, or I don't know them at least, uh, called Fish Netflix. Um, Fish Netflix, not Fish Netflix. I've never even um, heard of it, yeah. That is specifically, they. it's a conversational podcast like this one, mm-hmm. and they focus on costume design, strictly oh, costume okay. design from, cool. from movies that they watch. Um, so if you're interested in costume design, I would highly recommend go checking that one out. Um, and I, I thought that what they did with the costume design for the, the Marion character with this was interesting. There was this mm-hmm. pair of pants that were kind of like, they were kind of sh- jean shorts, but then also ripped. Mm-hmm. And then they also had the bottom half of the <laughs> pants. Um, it, it, they which, were really bizarre, and I thought it was kind of fun. Which reminds me, so I, I'm giving them credit for being fairly progressive at the time for, you know, the way they pre- mm-hmm. depicted her character. And also the fact mm-hmm. that it's Alyssa Milano, and she's kind of... 
especially at this time in the 90s was known as sort of being like a teen idol sort of like you know pe- like kids mm-hmm. had i remember kids had like pictures of her like posters on their locker at school you know she was one of those um mm-hmm. so there are some mul- there's multiple we'll say prolonged and quite unnecessary shots of her butt as she like mm-hmm. bends over in various poses and it's sort of like a joke in the movie and again this was still the 90s so we're talking about the 90s movies so you know while I'm giving them credit, they did throw those kind of like unnecessary yeah. things in. Mm-hmm. But anyway, again, it's just like a fun movie. And so the director is James Yukich. Yukich? Yukich, yeah. Yukich. Primarily, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, primarily music video director. Directed some award events on TV and things like that. Um, he was a apparently first time director, uh, first feature film director mm-hmm. for this one. I don't know. If, I'm actually not sure if he did direct another film after this. Um, uh. But. Did, did you see if he had directed anything? I'm not, else yeah, so I'm, I don't know about a feature film. It looks like he did, so... Um, so it, it does look like he... I'm seeing one here. I've never heard of this film, so I can't attest to what it actually is. But it looks like he did one film with Bruce Willis that was a TV movie. Oh, okay. So it's, called yeah. The Return of Bruno, which is a documentary about the major influence of a 60s rock singer named Bruno, huh. uh, as attested to by such rock legends as Ringo Starr, Brian Wilson, and the Bee Gees. Mm-hmm. I'm actually very curious to see. Yeah, that. That sounds interesting. I mean, he he did sounds... do a lot of um, like music videos and stuff like that. So yeah, I guess he mm-hmm. was maybe involved with that scene. So that, that does sound interesting. Um, but mm-hmm. I did see a quote from from the director. He kind of he summarized his approach to this film, Double Dragon, as um, our characters are like normal kids, three kids on an adventure. So we didn't want to make something that kids would almost be too afraid to see. Uh, I like mm-hmm. to make it in a funnier, lighthearted vein. Which mm-hmm. um, I think he achieved. I think you know. I think we've both said that already. That it yeah. uh, more so than the other films we've talked about so far. This one definitely uh, does not take itself as seriously, or or try to tell a, a dark, gritty story or anything like that. It's just you know, just an adventure with, like he said, like three kids. Um, there's some gang gang wars going on, um, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about more when we get into the story a little bit more. But I just want to give a, another quick mention here. So the writers of the film. Um, so there's a there's multiple writers, but one of them uh, has a story credit. It's Paul Dini, which kind of I had to like double check it because it kind of took me back a little bit. So he receives uh, a story credit here. I'm not sure how much he was actually involved, but he's you know he's got a lot of cred. He's um, he was one of the the major writers behind the Batman animated series, which I don't know if you've seen mm. that. Jeremy, but that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be like my favorite uh, animated show mm-hmm. of like all time. You know, it's just like it really holds up, and it's uh, really the quality is just really high in that show. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so he was like one of the driving forces behind that, one of the writers, and he's still working in, in comics and things like that today, and, and as a writer. Mm-hmm. So that really threw me off when I saw that. <laughs> so maybe it was earlier on in his career or something, and he kind of just I don't know. He has he has a story credit. That's all I know really, uh, which is yeah. interesting. So, I'm also seeing um, another one of the writers because it looks like, yeah, so it looks like he got a story by credit. Mm-hmm. And then one of the actual screenplay credits is Peter Gold, um, yeah, who apparently he worked on all five seasons of um, Breaking Bad yeah, and is currently a co-showrunner of Better Call Saul. Yeah, that was the so, other person that I did. I was aware of. Yeah. Um, so, so another name there. Yeah. So a couple people yeah. that were involved here um, that were so some, somewhat notable. Some real writing acumen for Double (laughs) Dragon. I'm sure they're very proud. Yeah. Um, So to get into the story a little bit. um, So unlike the game, the film takes place, like you said, uh, in the apocalyptic future of 2007 in Mm -hmm. L.A. And uh, known fictionally as New Angeles. So N.A. 
<laughs> NA <laughs> after the big quake. Um, mm-hmm. A bit futuristic, bit dystopian, like similar to Super Mario Brothers movie, but done in sort mm-hmm. of a different way, a little more low budget way, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it's now this is one thing I noted, and I, you know, we were talking a lot about how the movie was fun and and funny and all that. But one of the notes I made was um, I kind of felt, you know, it's funny because I think this movie actually could have benefited from a, a little bit more of a darker, grittier vibe, more so than, yeah. the, than the other movies, especially more so than Mario Brothers movie, which you wouldn't expect with Mario Brothers anyway. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This is the, at least what I, I guess what I mean is this is the film that you would think they would maybe take a grittier, harder edge with because mm-hmm. um, the original source materials, you know, it's about gangs. It's about people fighting each yeah. other and stuff like that. So, um and actually, we haven't done a series yet on gang movies, Jeremy, but I would... That has been suggested by a listener who sent us an idea. email. Yeah, yeah he, uh, and a listener emailed us, and um, and I think that's one that could be fun and would definitely be yeah. interested in doing. But anyway, it just got me thinking about that. Do but, Double um, Dragon again. We'll do do- <laughs> double Double Dragon. <laughs> Jeremy loves this one. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, this, again, it's a fun movie, and, I, and I'm glad that it is fun. But, it, you know, mm-hmm. I, guess, I guess what I mean is just like, yeah, you would just think, like, Looking at the source material, this might be the darker, grittier one. Um, if they had mm-hmm. gone for that kind of like warriors vibe, you know, something like a like an actual gang, yeah. gang movie kind of vibe is what I mean, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so uh, yeah, there's mob rule, uh, gang wars, people in the streets with these <laughs> high grade dangerous weapons. Uh, there's a curfew in place, like we mentioned. So you know, the things are not going well, and this is due to, uh, I guess, sort of like a. Uh, what, what would you call it? Like sort of like a, a deal they've struck with. Um, I don't know if you call it like a truce, not a truce, but like a, a you know something they've they struck think, with uh, the police, right? So I they think can, they actually. I, I think at one point they actually did refer to it as a truce. Oh, okay. So it's like a I sort think, of a, yeah, yeah, sort of a truce between these gangs that are taking over and causing anarchy and the police. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, like they're allowed to kind of roam the streets and do what they want as long as I guess as long the sun as, is down. Yeah, as long as right. the sun is down, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. why that's why they have the curfew, and that's why people aren't supposed to go out at night. So you know, interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jeremy, how would you compare the world of this film? I guess compared to the others that we've discussed so far. Um, I think if if I were to make a ranking, this would be second for me. I still think the Super Mario World is kind of the yeah. at least aesthetically mm-hmm. the most interesting. Yeah. So. Um, but but I I did like what they did with this one. More um, of a Mad Max vibe, I guess, in this one. Yeah, like I like the cars in this one. I thought yeah. the cars were really fun. Souped up cars um, with weapons on them and stuff like that. Yeah. I liked I liked the 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 I forget what the um the the kind of organization is called that the Marion character is working with the kind mm-hmm. of underground. Oh right. But like I thought their their headquarters was really cool. <laughs> Reminded um, me of like Ninja Turtles or something like. Actually, yeah, I got a lot of Ninja Turtles vibes from this movie. <laughs> Yeah, true, true, true. If it was set in New York, it would have been indistinguishable. Yeah, which um, makes sense, I but, guess, with the time period. But. but I think, like, I like I like that. I thought that environment was, like, it was kind of like half Ninja Turtles and half, like, um, high-end Soho retail store. <laughs> uh, you know, like, there, there was a lot of kind of posh, like, there were a lot of, like, purple glossy balloons and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of fun. And then I also, uh, in terms of the, the environment, I thought setting the, the scene, like, a big fight scene in a theater like that was really, really yeah. cool. I thought that was yeah. awesome. I thought that was a, a great, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say a great fight scene. I thought the fight scene was okay. It, it went on for a long time, and there were certain <laughs> things where I didn't completely understand they threw what some, they were trying to accomplish. Yeah, they threw some goofy um, things in there, similar to, like, Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. Um, yeah, Although but we, in terms of the environment, like, the... Yeah. the uh, oh, yeah, there was... The, yeah, 
they, I think they, cool. yeah, they put thought into where they had these fights set, at least, you know, like, like yeah. you said, the environment, Jeremy, um, like the, mm-hmm. you know, where they actually took place, which was cool um, because they yeah. tried to incorporate things into it like uh, from the environment. And um, we certainly got more martial arts than we did in Street yeah. Fighter, the movie, mm-hmm. uh, more fighting, I think, actually, um, because the plot itself is, is fairly simple. I mean, you have this MacGuffin, you know, this medallion that this object that exists and one, you know, one thing happens and then another and the characters try to get to it and all that. So, you know, the plot itself is pretty simple um, and we don't get too much individual backstories of the of any of the characters, really. Um, so the motivations are a little lacking, but I mean, I guess you do eventually get a little bit more um, towards the end about their father and things like that. The connection to the villain, which I thought was good. Um, mm-hmm. Because if, at first you're like, who is this guy? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, but eventually you do get a little bit more. Um, and so, yeah, the story is, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, Jeremy, what did you think of the action, I guess, um, in particular the fight scenes? Did you think they were handled I thought well? they were fun. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I don't know if well is the word. Like, I wasn't, like, you know, on the edge of my seat wondering what was going to happen. But I think that, to me, that what I liked about this is the fights felt the most like a video game fight. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I, I think if I'm putting myself in the shoes of a, yeah. a, thir- a 12 or 13-year-old <laughs> in, in 1994 watching this, mm-hmm. like, that's the one that feels like the game I'm playing with my friends. Yeah, this would definitely over... be a rental if you were a 13-year-old and you saw it. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. This, this would be, like, it's, like, a fun thing to watch. Like, it, there are some cool stunts. Explosions. Um, There's a boat explosions. chase scene. You get a boat chase. Yeah, which that I thought was, was pretty a, pretty, cool. a pretty cool scene, actually. Yeah, the jet skis, um, lots of explosions. Yeah, we had, like, jet skis, like, the jet skis, like, I don't know how they did it exactly, I'm guessing there was some kind of jump, but we had one shot that stuck with me, mm-hmm. where we see our main characters uh, uh, on a boat, uh, Billy and Jimmy on, on their boat, kind of cruising away, and the, the camera's frame behind them, and all of a sudden, two jet skis with people on them just fly over the edge of the frame, mm-hmm. and just land in the water, and kind of <laughs> just take off and start following them, which I yeah. was like, I mean, I'm not any kind of a jet ski expert, but I was like, that, that was pretty cool, you know, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem like... Yeah, something some, everyone could just do on a jet ski, you know. Yeah, definitely some cool stunts in the film mm-hmm. and things like that, which I appreciated. Um, and uh, yeah, so we have the the boat chase scene. There's a couple of cool action scenes. You have uh, him. So you have uh, I'm going to get the brothers confused. Yeah, I believe it was Billy Lee, the one played by Scott Wolf, um, fighting against his own brother Jimmy, who kind of comes mm-hmm. back after he's been uh, with Kogish. Kogashuko and he's is turned into sort of like this shadow version of himself and sort of like this evil version of himself which actually is related to the game because um, I mentioned earlier that the Nintendo version of Double Dragon was only one player because of, of technical limit limitations at the time and so when you got to the end of the game you actually had to fight your brother as sort of like a double like a like an evil character and i believe it was actually in the so i think even in the arcade once you got to the very end and you say you know you go to save marion um i think the two characters actually have to fight each other to see who gets marion which is kind of messed up but um so yeah so there's some like you know again it's like there's allusions to things um easter eggs as we called them like as with the other Mm -hmm. films we discussed so far in the series so like the connections to the original video games are seen in the film but are more like nods or you know what like again like easter eggs and actual parts of the story but -hmm. they're there like you also have uh there's a there's an enemy in the game called linda lash who has a whip and she shows up in the movie um Mm -hmm. and at one point 
Billy gets knocked back into the arcade cabinet for Double Dragon, which is very, you yes. know, very obvious. <laughs> uh, not too subtle there, but it gets smashed. Yeah. And, you know, so that was a cool nod there, too. Um, so you have some things like that. But I, I think the biggest nod would have to be the inclusion of a character named Bo Abobo, <laughs> which Bo I want I definitely want to talk about him. He's a very bizarre character. And like, you know, we were talking before we started recording, Jeremy, you said, I said, yeah, that character's from the game. And you said, of course he is, you know, because yeah. he's so bizarre. Like, there's no other reason for him to be there. And and really, there's yeah. nothing else really that supernatural. Well, I guess <laughs> the medallion itself is supernatural. But there's really mm-hmm. not that much like this going on besides this one character. So, essentially, this is like a, a gang member, street tough, who gets turned into, um, I guess, for failing Kogo Shuka, he gets turned into like a souped-up version of himself. He gets yeah. a lot bigger, a lot stronger, um, sort of similar to uh, Dennis Hopper's King Koopa in the Super yeah. Mario Brothers movie where he transforms his own henchman into like mm-hmm. a, a hulking brute. Um, so he well, got... wasn't, wasn't there something like that in Street Fighter as well? There was, there was. There was, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the Blanca, what's the, what's the, what's the, the character's Blanca, name? Yeah, Blanca uh, is like sort Blanca, of like yeah. a... He's sort of like a savage, like animal-like monster character, I guess. See, see we are doing scholarship. <laughs> we, are, we are, we are, we are finding trends and patterns. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I guess that was like a way to explain these more supernatural elements or characters because, mm-hmm. yeah, these games do have some, you know, pretty inexplicable things to them. So I guess, hey, we'll strap him to a, <laughs> to a like chair, a, a chair, and, and he'll and, get strong. Yeah, we'll make him into uh, like a beast. Uh, I thought one thing I thought was interesting with this, which was kind of different, is. That uh, the Bo Abobo character was already when we introduce him, uh, they're like he can bench eight bench press yeah. eight hundred pounds. He was already strong. Was, <laughs> he was already strong, and then so there, there's this moment which I thought was really funny. Where uh, I mean I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but like the uh, the um, Kogashuko is like, oh, I'm gonna make you stronger now, <laughs> and uh, he was like, oh, but I, I'm already. He's like, I'm gonna give you the strength of ten men, and he's like, I already have the strength of ten men. <laughs> And then he's like, I don't care. You're going on the machine. Right. <laughs> Which is probably, I guess that's why he's he's so odd looking once he gets pumped up. Because his, his muscles already, are so yeah. bulging. Like, eventually he, so when the character starts out, he has like this mohawk, I guess. And a very obvious bald cap <laughs> for the mohawk. But um, eventually, you know, and he's, he's like, just like a street tough, you know. I guess he's supposed to yeah. be strong, so he kind of has muscles. But eventually, yeah, when he gets transformed, he becomes like this really like hulking, like ba- big bad guy. And his, like, everything, even his face, like, his neck, everything is bulging. And you, you kind of just have to see it. It's hard to describe, but uh, it's mm-hmm. certainly bizarre looking. There's a, a lot of makeup involved, I'm sure. I think it's actually yeah. a different actor who, um, who yeah, eventually I believe, plays I believe the, it is. the character. <laughs> it's so different. Um, but he looks, you know, he, it's almost like he can barely move. But I guess it's sort of like the joke is that uh, because in the game, you know, the, the character is just this boss character that you fight, and he's like a big, hulking, bald guy, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, but in this, they, they took that idea and I guess went all the way with it and to, you know, push it, like everything else, kind of pushed it into a, a more comical tone. And they made him yeah. so hulking and so massive that he can barely hold his own weight. And he's sort of just stumbling around, and he's still strong, mm-hmm. you know, when he fights, when he fights the brothers. But um, eventually, um, he does gonna, he goes. He turns. He goes over to their side um, after mm-hmm. he kind of he kind of realizes like what his boss is doing, and 
you know, I actually like that scene where it's like him and uh, just in front of the mirror looking at himself and like crying. And it's sort of like this like sweet moment you have with this, like, you know, uh, who would be like a throwaway character usually, I guess. Um, yeah, he was kind but, of weirdly likable. Yeah, oddly likable. He kind of becomes extremely like extremely grotesque. Oh, extremely grotesque. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially that scene where Alyssa Milano's character is like uh, interrogating him and feeding him. Yeah. What is it? Beans or something? I don't even know. It was spinach. Spinach. Which, yeah. which I was confused at first. I'm not going to lie because there was a moment where I was like, like, cause I, I have the spinach Popeye association and I'm like, is she trying to give him, I'm like, is she trying to give him more muscles? Like, but, Maybe that's but what then she was I, trying to do, yeah. cause I was like, but then I was like, no, actually that's a pretty intense. If, if you think about it in terms of a way to torture someone, just <laughs> force feeding them pounds and pounds of sloppy spinach is yeah. pretty awful. I guess like, if you're you know. a street tough, you don't like vegetables, you know, you don't yeah. like eating your greens. Um, unless you're Popeye. Unless you're Popeye. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah that scene was pretty gross, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, eventually he's like becomes sort of their pal, and he's oh he also gives them the the secret method to defeating Kokushuka, which is light, I guess, right? Yeah, light. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Kokushuka he turns into like these twin sort of martial artist spirits, I guess, at the end, mm-hmm. once he gets the medallion or two pieces of it, um, and he starts to fight them, and then that's when um, Abobo comes back in and and tells them it's light it's weakness is light mm-hmm. and then they so that's how they're able to figure that out and then i think they just turn the lights on <laughs> or something like yeah, that yeah they just turn the lights on yeah and then he's like weakened um because he's pretty weak he's just like a businessman tycoon type character so and then of yeah. course you know billy and jimmy they get their patented as we've seen at, at the last two movies uh, that we we talked about as well they get their mm-hmm. costumes finally like sort of more how they look in the video game series where they have these like really elaborate like red and blue costumes on and they kick Kogo Shuko's ass, I guess. And then mm-hmm. that's the end of the movie. Oh, and then well, I guess, well, Jimmy imperson- or inhabits uh, Kogo Shuko yeah. and then starts to make him say weird stoner jokes. I don't know. What was what was the point of that? He, well, he made him tell some jokes. He Arrest did the why are, you hitting, yeah. why are you hitting yourself thing. Oh, why are you and hitting then, yourself, yeah. And then he, he wrote a check oh, yeah. as Kogo Shuka. So he, he stole Kogo Shuka's identity, Stoking. essentially. Yeah. And wrote a, wrote a $129 million <laughs> check to the Los Angeles Police Department. So which, personally, that was, I mean, not that we're really calling out plot holes in something like this, um, but I was kind of, you know, if it's a guy who just can write a $129 million check that's not going to bounce, like, he could probably have had a better team. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he probably could have yeah, done a little better. Probably. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> and did. also he probably didn't need to... Get the double dragon to run this like hellhole of a city. If you have that kind of money in yeah. a dystopia, you probably you probably don't really need yeah. to do much. Also, couldn't you hire some better help? I feel like these guys. That's what I'm he, saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> like better better than a bo uh, a bo a bo bo. Yeah, you I, know. And uh, <laughs> well, I guess that's why he tried to soup him up a little bit or enhance his yeah. muscles or whatever. Um, but that yeah. didn't exactly work out. So yeah. Um, so and then he, you know, he makes Kogoshuka say, "Arrest me, take me to jail," and and then uh, Marion's father, the police chief, comes and arrests him, takes him away, and everyone rides off together to what? What are they gonna do? I guess just fight people at this point. Yeah, um, I mean, it's still they're still in the middle of uh, this gang you war. Know, situation. This gang war. Yeah. It's not like they're just gonna do a chill. Yeah. Although maybe with with the hundred thirty million dollars that the Los Angeles Police Department, <laughs> or the New Angeles Police Department, yeah, just yeah. got. You the idea is that to, they'll yeah. they'll go in and kind of rework the yeah yeah 
You would think that if you Take know, because right? I'm just thinking like like uh, pragmatically here. If you have 130 million dollars to throw around, mm-hmm. maybe dedicated to infrastructure. Well, yeah, <laughs> <Instead> <laughs> that'd be a good idea. Yeah, fix some of the um, or, or drain the swamp water, whatever that the toilet. Yeah, water when there are right? when there are houses that people <laughs> are buying jacks to hold up, you know. <laughs> yeah, that seems. But hopefully, they do some investing with that money. Yeah. Um, but similar to the other movies that we also discussed, um, I'm seeing a lot of patterns here, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taking the scholarly route. Um, this also seems or could almost be interpreted as like a origin story for the characters, right? It's just yeah. Like now they have their, their costumes and their medallion and they're going to go off and start mm-hmm. fighting these gangs. So it is almost like the beginning of their adventure, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there was their mentor character, which we didn't mention at all because she's kind of like hardly in it, but... Um, now, yeah. And her name was um, Satori. Satori. And she, mm-hmm. so she actually is like the one kind of guiding them through a lot of the early scenes and telling them about the medallion mm-hmm. and all that. And she eventually is, is killed in an explosion, right, Jeremy? And then. Yeah, so she's, uh, from what I understand, uh, is was trapped inside the theater. Mm-hmm. And um, when uh, Kogashuko, Kogashuko explodes the theater. She's still inside and dies, yeah. but then kind of comes back in spirit form at the end of the film. Yeah, to she comes back. Our heroes. <laughs> she becomes like yeah. the Obi Wan kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, use the medallion or whatever she says. Um, but um, yeah, so that and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Then they kind of ride off together with the Bobo. So it's like Jimmy, Billy, mm-hmm. and and uh, 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 Marion and the Bobo all ride off together into the sunset to fight more gangs. Gang crime, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's pretty much it. So I guess it could have had a sequel, but uh, again, the film did not do do well when it was released uh, in theaters. And I'm not sure how it did on home video. But yeah, I mean, all around, this movie was, was just not really well received, I would say, mm-hmm. both critically and financially. Um, there was some praise for special effects and the action sequences, like we talked about. But the, the writing and performances got a lot of <laughs> a lot of slack. Uh which, you know, I guess you're looking at it years and years later and just taking it as a fun ride of a movie with boat chases yeah. and explosions and mm-hmm. mohawks and all that. I mean, you know, it's, it's a fun it's a fun way to spend a, an hour and a half, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, yeah. I you think know. parts of it kind of wash over you a little bit. At least it mm-hmm. did for me. Um, but I think yeah. it's just, again, just that, that 90s action movie vibe. Um, so uh, and also yeah. uh, similar to uh, Street Fighter, there was a video game that spawned from this movie. Mm. So the movie was based on a game, then spawned a fighting game, so very similar to Street Fighter, although it did not use motion capture as Street Fighter game. I was did. wondering that. Uh, <laughs> they actually it. had plans to do that. They wanted to do that, but they, I guess because of financial reasons or they were just trying mm. to focus on other things. So I guess making the, movie, the actual movie... Um, so the the video the video game is a fighting game, um, and it's it's done you know with digi- digitized sprites like the original games. Uh, it came out the following year in 1995, and it does have characters from the movie. So you can I think you can play as Kogo Shuka actually, and oh. uh, I guess Marion as she appears in the movie and Abobo and all that. So um, that did that was released. I'm not sure how that did. I'm sure better than the movie probably. Um, so that came out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they did want to do it with the, the motion capture like uh, Mortal Kombat had done and like the Street Fighter movie, the game, had done. Um, but they, they were not able to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, another video game based on a movie, based on a video game, which is pretty interesting. Um, <laughs> and again, I think 
if any of the games we've discussed so far could have benefited from maybe a darker, grittier tone, it probably, mm -hmm. ironically, would have been this one. But, um, you know, they w decided to go the, the funner, more action-y route with this one, and I think that made sense, too. But, Jeremy, what are your final thoughts on Double Dragon the movie? Yeah, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this one. It was fun. Like I said, I think for me, what I liked about it was just that it was kind of light and goofy. I could see yeah. how a darker tone might have been uh, better if the goal was to make a really great movie, um, <laughs> which I'm sure the goal was. I'm yeah. sure the goal was to make a great movie, but it wasn't to make like Look, a great movie in the sense like something people take really seriously. It was it, meant as, to be something that's fun for kids. As we've said before, um, no one sets out to make a bad movie, right? No one sets out to make a bad movie, but when I say that, I mean like like I mean like a great serious movie, like right. like yeah. I think I think there is a world where this could have been like uh -huh. a serious action movie. There may uh, actually that be. Was, who knows? I mean, they might remake it again with a grittier tone. You never. You know, yeah, exactly. You never know. Um, yeah, these days any any IP can get mm -hmm. remade. So yeah. <laughs> um, but but I think for what it was like for what they were aiming for, I thought it was a fun movie. I enjoyed watching it. You know, mm -hmm. it was like like Mark said, it's not super long. You know, it's not like a movie that you're just sitting there endlessly slogging through, waiting for it to be over. It's a popcorn um, movie, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun little popcorn movie. It's kind of perfect for what it is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it might not be everyone's first choice. But if, if you find yourself, you know, feeling nostalgic and wanting to watch some 90s camp, yeah, uh, I, think it, I think it's a fun choice. Yeah. It did make me want to watch more gang movies, though. I think that could be a cool, yeah. cool series. That, that was a fun vibe. Yeah, on yeah. our show, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and one quick thing, one other quick trivia note I wanted to mention. Not only did this movie take inspiration from the video game series, but it also apparently took a lot of inspiration from, I forgot this even existed, but there was an animated series of Double Dragon in 1993. Oh, so the year before, yeah. And I took apparently they took some elements from that show. I don't remember the show at all if I even watched it, um, but they took some elements from that to help them. So, that, so I guess that combined with the base of the original game series, um, was what they used to come up with this movie. And it's... Interesting. Something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I think we both enjoyed it. And um, like I said, parts of it maybe wash over you a little bit. But I think in like overall, it's a fun yeah. action movie. Especially if you have a couple friends around and you got mm -hmm. some popcorn pop in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to do it for part three of our series um, of 8-Bit at Blockbuster. Next time, we're going to actually be closing out the series with our 90s video game adaptations with Mortal Kombat from 1995. I'm double checking to make sure I'm right on that. Yes, <laughs> from 1995. <laughs> Mortal Kombat from 1995, uh, which I'm really excited to talk about because uh, I've alluded to it before, but I think that one out of all of these films that we've discussed so far, I think it gets it the, the most right with mm -hmm. the, not only with the tone that it strikes, but also with just how it approaches the story and the source material and all of that. And um, so I'm really looking forward to talking about that. And I hope it holds up because I haven't watched it in a while. So I'm going to take another look at it. But that should be a fun one to talk about. So thank you so much for listening to Cult Movie Cult. You can find us on all the usual social media. If you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, or if you'd like to officially join the cult and be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult at gmail.com. This has been Cult Movie Cult. And until next time, so long from the other side.